Hello and you're very welcome to another episode of the IFF TV podcast. Today's guest is none other than Andy Reid, the former Republic of Ireland international, goes on to speak about his career in full detail from his ups, downs and now within his coaching role for Nottingham Forest and of course with the Republic of Ireland developing a lot of our younger generation that are coming through at the moment. He's been helping develop them, working in a role within the FAI. He goes on in full detail to talk about everything in his career to date and of course his coaching so check it out don't forget to leave a five-star rating like it subscribe if you can and enjoy here we go Andy how are you keeping yeah very well thanks I'm uh, busy busy surprisingly enough with this uh, strange time but I've uh, I've had loads on I've had loads on but luckily myself and my family were all healthy um, so so touch wood on that moving forward yeah, it's good to see that you're you're keeping busy. Um, I I know you're doing a lot of webinars and so on. I seen you appearing on the uh, FAI page there the other day doing a webinar as well. Um, are you adapting to coaching life quite well? Seems like you're really enjoying it. Yeah, I I have to, I, I'm I'm loving it. I've got to be honest with you. It's it, it it's great. I'm I'm in a real good place with it at the moment. Um. I'm doing loads. I'm learning loads all the time. I'm trying to share my knowledge with other people. I'm trying to gain knowledge from other people. Um, I'm reading lots of literature um, on football tactics and mindset. Um, how can we get the best out of players? I'm watching, uh, watching loads of stuff. There's tons of stuff on the internet. It's really, really good stuff. Um, I'm putting together presentations that I'm doing for people, as you mentioned, doing webinars. Um, so I'm learning loads at the moment. I, I'm, I was really, really keen that when this all happened and we're not in work every single day uh, in the normal sense of the word, um, I was really keen that I continue to learn um, and that I continue to improve to get better at what I'm doing. So um, I've, I've really done that. You know, I've been to what you normally do when you're just out on the training pitch and when you're, you know, but but we always kind of moan that we don't have time to read this, that we don't have time to kind of look at this video and watch this and speak to this person, speak to that person. So this is a great opportunity um, for a different type of learning. And it seems as though, obviously, you know, you're flying now at this stage. Um, and it's good to see that you're kind of using the time to put energy into different things that maybe, uh, as I said, in normal days work that you wouldn't have maybe been able to focus on. So that's good that you're able to switch the focus for temporarily anyway for now. Yeah, well, I think you have to. And I think football is always constantly evolving. And, and I think you have to move with it and you have to find different ways. You have to be innovative. You know, yeah, you want to take on board um, things that have things that have gone before, take on board things that have been successful from other people. But you want to bring your own kind of stamp to it as well. You know, you want to come up with something a little bit different and and that's what you know that's what I've been trying to do in this time um you know uh you know how can I improve myself tactically what can I watch that's going to make me just a little bit of a better coach how can I communicate a little bit better with people and and surprisingly enough so much good will come in, in a football sense from this I mean we, we we've learned so many different ways of communicating with players of getting uh, tactical information across to players from long distance you know this is stuff that okay it was there before but we weren't really honed in on it and now because of what's happened we've had to so this will improve us when we go back and you know I know it'll improve me it'll improve improve my my uh, communication skills um 
And if we can get things across to players in a little bit of a better way, a little bit more of a detailed way, um, then, you know, that's great. Yeah, I can tell by the way you're talking how passionate you are about it. It's great to see. I think we'll we'll come back to uh, maybe at the end kind of on what you're doing in terms of the coaching with, with Ireland and Forest a little bit. But um, basically, we had you on to talk about your career, um, basically from your early days. And I, put, I suppose in a way that will show how football has evolved in that time frame from when you were young lad to now. But um, what are your earliest memories in football that kind of made you fall in love with football? My earliest memories um, of, of, of real... I suppose it, my earliest memories of watching football... Um, I remember, I remember watching uh, watching Ireland against England in uh, Euro '88. Um, I would have been hmm, six, something like that, and I just have vague memories of it being on in the house and and me kind of watching it. But my earliest kind of conscious memories of football is going to watch my dad play for Fatima Rangers. Um, they used to play the home games up in Brickfields, but we used to in Drimna, But we used to go, um, we used to go all over the place. We used to go all over Dublin um, watching them. You know, they play on a on a Sunday, and uh, and there my kind of my my they had some good players in that Fatima team, and 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 they were quite successful at at kind of at junior level. So um, I would have to say that going to watch my dad play for Fatima Rangers. Um, would what would I have been seven, eight, nine, ten? Um, would be probably my my earliest memories of um, conscious memories uh, of football. Okay, I know what you mean there when you say conscious because like, you have a lot of memories, but the ones that really stand out. Um, but who was your hero growing up then? For football, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I've always been um, a big Maradona fan. Um, and, and, you know, I still am today. And uh, me and you were talking before we kind of went on here about documentaries. And I was on about the Barcelona documentary that I watched only last night. And it's absolutely fantastic. But but even more recently, uh, not too long ago, I uh, watched the Maradona one. And I don't know if you've watched it, but... Um, I've seen that one, yeah. You know, absolutely fantastic. I mean... The, the guy was the guy was a genius, you know. He was, he, in fact, he was left footed as well. I like his, you know, the, just watching him kind of glide around the pitch. What what he done with with Argentina with the at the World Cups and um, and you know what he done with Napoli as well. I mean, you know, dragging Napoli from a kind of mid to bottom of the table side and bringing them through to win there. Uh, to win uh, the Italian league uh, uh, twice, I think it was, wasn't it? They won the UEFA Cup. And, um, I, I, you know, and I know people will say, oh, yeah, but, you know, he's done this wrong and he cheated and he'd done this and he'd done that. Well, you know what? Not everybody's perfect, you know. Well, everybody has character flaws. Everybody has has issues that they've had to deal with. But, you know, take all that just all that aside. He, what a phenomenal footballer. What a phenomenal character in the game, you know, and somebody that, um, you know, I, I, I love, I, I still now, you know, I, I look back and I, and I see um, videos. I'm now warming up with music on and he's dancing and doing keepy-ups and I kind of look at him and, I, you know, he's just got that something, you know, he just had that something special and it kind of gives me, uh, you know, I, I, I always loved, I always loved watching the style 
of player that he was anyway. The way he used to be able to ghost past people and the goals he used to score. But the fact that he had a bit of character about him as well, you know. I like I like players, and you know, and even now as a coach, I say to my players, I like players to have a little bit of character about them. You know, I think it's very very important. Uh, like to see a player just have that little bit of steel about him, a little bit of something different. You know, he's not afraid to try something. He's you know, he's not afraid to put it up to somebody. I, I like that, and you know, and, and I think you look at Maradona; he had that in abundance, and that's what you know. I think that partly draws me towards. Yeah, he definitely had that um, X factor. Uh, he does, and, and and not very many players, kind of over the years, kind of really had that. You know, he's, he and the players that do, they they really really stand out and. Uh, he's, he's somebody that you know. He, he he was a hero of mine growing up, and, and you know, in football in terms, he still is now. Yeah, I obviously see why. I mean, he he, he you know the way he's so highly spoken of now, and even even like you look at that Napoli documentary. I mean, the whole city of Napoli absolutely adore him. You know. Yeah, listen, and rightly so. Listen, I think football. It's great to have heroes in football, you know, and when you are a footballer, um, you know, you have to kind of understand that you are a hero to a lot of people and, 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 and it's, a, it's a big responsibility to take on board. And sometimes it can it can be a difficult responsibility to burden. And I can only imagine what the responsibility was like that he kind of felt, you know, on that, uh, having the, the responsibility of The whole thing uh, when Napoli took to the field, it was him who had to kind of try and come up with that little bit of magic. And with most games that he played, he probably had two men marking him, you know. So, uh, for what he came out with and what he achieved, and you know, the World Cups with uh, with, with Argentina as well, especially the kind of the '86, um, you know, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean. You kind of run out of words to say about Diego Maradona. Unfortunately, I wasn't born um, when he was playing, but I've seen all the highlights and obviously, you know, watch things like documentaries to see how good he was. You know, my generation now, kind of, I, I was looking for Zidane, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, and then now it's obviously Ronaldo and Messi going toe-to-toe, which is brilliant to see. I can speak I can speak from experience. Them three players that you've just mentioned were, were top-class players. Yeah, they were, they were top, top-notch players. Yeah, well, look, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to that when we talk about Ireland, but talk me through your uh, schoolboy career then and kind of getting up to the point where you turn pro. Well, I um, I was actually playing um, for for a team. I only played for them for a few weeks, actually, Trees' Gardens. My mum is from, uh, she's from Trees' Gardens. Um, so I played for a team down there for probably two or three weeks, and um, there was a there was a coach, a very well known coach up around Crumlin in that area, who, who was, he he managed teams at Lewis Celtic called Jimmy Graham, and um, and Jimmy, I think he seen me play um, in one of the games, and and he knocked on the door, and uh, and my dad knew him from growing up because my dad had an association with Lewis and that when he was younger, and. Um, uh, and my dad knew him, and Jimmy asked me dad if I if I'd go and play for them. And, and obviously, Sun Drive Park was just up the road from the house where we grew up on Clogger Road. Um, so uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I go up, and uh, I went up, and and we ended up we had a really really good team. Um, so that was kind of ball with Lord Celtic. Had two or three years with them. We won a couple of cups, and, and unfortunately, Jimmy left then, and the team kind of. Um, 
the team kind of disintegrated then a little bit. But four of the players, um, myself and three other, well, three other lads left first uh, just as the team broke up and went uh, went up to Cherry Orchard to play under uh, Martin Begley um, up in Cherry Orchard, and uh, and then I came up then a couple of months later and uh, and signed for them. Uh, and again, you know, Martin Begley was a fantastic coach. He was really, really good. And uh, we, we, you know, we won a couple of cups and, and we might have won in all Ireland. Martin left to go off and do some different stuff. And, and another coach and somebody who's uh, still, still a really great friend of mine, Ray O'Toole. Um, took over the team and managed the team, um, and his assistant was Jimmy Winter. So had you know had four or five great years up there. We won a couple of All Irelands and uh, Cherry Orchard, Lewis, fantastic club as well. And you know, and and Cherry Orchard, you know, brilliant. The club that's kind of really close to my heart, and and people were very very good to me, and you know, still keep in touch with with some people there. I've been in contact with people there, and they've asked me if I come over and do a presentation for the coaches. Um, and also, uh, you know, take a session for some of the younger players and stuff like that. So it'd be great to go over and, and, and kind of catch up with everybody. When they opened the, um, the, the, the new training ground up the top of Bally Fairmont there, I went up and on the opening day when they had a tournament on there and spent the day with them. It was great. So to go back up again would be, it'll be fantastic. And I'll put on a Present, you know, and, and as I mentioned, just to kind of give something back to a club that was very, very good to me will be will be a pleasure. I'm sure that that would be lovely for for both yourself and the club playing with Ireland. When was it? Around what what year was the Kenny? I'm, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it was '98 um, that, that that we won the the European Championships. It, and listen, it was absolutely fantastic. And it's funny that we're having this conversation because I think the the anniversary of it was only the other day. And we've got a group chat with all the uh, all the players are on the group chat um, that, that, that that kind of played in it, and we keep in touch every now and again. And some people have put some stuff up, and Brian put it up, and there'll be pictures. And Nola Royley was put up the other day, and we just had a good conversation about it uh, about realizing how kind of special it was. You know, and, and I think. You know, a part of it at the time, I think we started to realise as we got closer to the final how special it was, but I'm not too sure we kind of grasped the full kind of severity of it. You know, it's something that is still kind of really stuck with us even to this day, 20 years later. And, um, you know, some of the lads went on to have really, really good careers. Other lads have gone on to be successful in other areas. And, um, but we've still always got that bond and, and you don't get that often in football. And I think I, you know, I had it in my early days when I got into the first team at Forest. I had it to a certain extent in the U team at Forest. Um, and I had it with the under uh, 16s as well. We had it a lot with the Ireland teams. And, and I think you think every single team that you play in throughout your whole career is going to be like that. But it's not. You know, you don't have that camaraderie, you don't have that bond, you don't have that kind of togetherness with every single team that you play with. So I was very fortunate that I kind of managed to experience it quite a lot very early on in my career. Um, and football changed um, over the course of my career as well, as it does over the course of everybody's career. But football wasn't so much of a... so uh, Football changing rooms and football clubs weren't so much of a social arena uh, and, and they're not now. Nowadays, getting drunk. Uh, I mean, uh, 
to give you an example, you know, we would get in kind of an hour, an hour and a half before we were supposed to get in. So we could sit in the changing room and all have a bit of crack with each other, all have a bit of laugh, bounce things off each other. And, uh, and, and that doesn't happen now. You know, you find players walking in 10 minutes before they're supposed to be in to sit down. They're all sitting down on the phones. Um, not really having that kind of conversation, not really having that, uh, you know, Building that camaraderie, yeah, and 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 it's it's something that you know as a coach, I kind of want to, I would like to try and reintroduce and try and get my players as, as best I can to kind of really have that togetherness and you know to understand what it's about to be a part of something and to create something really special because because that's what we did, you know, by winning that under sixteens and the same the under eighteens done it in the same year with. Uh, the, you know, Steve McVale and Robbie Keane and uh, and players like that and the team they won it the same year and uh, got to some playoffs but I didn't win any cups or I didn't win anything after the under 16 so you need to make sure that you maximise it and it's a special thing to win something in football now if that thing is the under 14 All-Ireland Cup if it's the Kennedy Cup if it's um, the Milk Cup um, or, or if it's just your local junior or whatever it is to win something in football to achieve something in, in, in football is fantastic so you want to try and give your players that drive and that determination to kind of really go for it you know yeah well did you think maybe off the back of that so how you got your move down to Forest? well no I, i'd already signed for Forest. okay so i was already at Forest um by this stage so i signed for Forest from cherry orchard um and i'd moved over the summer before so i'd been living in england for probably about uh, about seven or eight months and um, when we won the under 16 championships um and, and uh, there was a scout in dublin um for Forest called desi mcgowan and uh, desi sent me over um, on a couple of trials, they liked what they seen, and I've been on trials for for quite a few clubs. Um, you know, some of them I enjoyed, others I wasn't too keen on. Um, uh, and you know, uh, pretty much everybody that I went to, they all uh, offered me a contract or um, offered me to kind of come over. So um, I had to kind of make a decision. And and my parents, who um, bless them, they were they were very very kind of level headed about it all, and. Um, they asked me, uh, you know, where do you feel most comfortable? You know, where where would you like to go and play a football? Uh, and the place that I felt most comfortable was Forest. So Forest brought my parents over. It's brilliant. It's perfect. And, and and there was some Irish players over there already. So there was David Freeman, who I knew from just up the road. Um, John Bournes was over there as well. Um, and me and Keith Foy were kind of going to be signing at the same time and I played with, with Keith for uh, Dublin representative teams and, and and stuff like that so I knew Keith as well so it just felt like it just felt really really right so we had the weekend over there with my parents and kind of uh, pretty much agreed to sign and then we got back and then a couple of days later a bunch of flowers arrives uh, from my mum from Frank Clark and Alan Hill. Frank Clark was the first team manager for us at the time and Alan Hill was assistant manager. And as soon as the flowers came, then it was, that's it, you have to sign for Forrest. My mum told me I had to sign for And she loved Frank Clark ever since. And, I, you know, when I see Frank uh, about the club, because he's still involved in Forrest, uh, I always remind him of that. That was very charming of him. Yeah, well, but another thing that happened that weekend uh, is it wasn't just my it wasn't just my mad that got charmed. My dad did as well because the head scout 
um, at Forest at the time was it was a, a chap called Ian Storymore. Now Ian Storymore was a, a fantastic footballer from from the sixties and early seventies, and uh, played for Forest and then signed for Man United. Um, was seen as a, as a replacement for George Best and fantastic footballer. My dad, being a big Man United fan, knew exactly who Ian Storymore was. Now when we were over there that weekend, Ian Storymore and his and his lovely wife they took us out for a meal. So we all went out for a meal and kind of sat down talking. So. We we just went back after that weekend and and you know I think my my man and I felt like I felt that it was just the right place for me to kind of go and play football and you know looking back and I can't uh, I can't argue with it for a second it's a club that uh, I I fell in love with from the start and I, and I and I still love it now you know it's a it's a club that's been very very good to me and I'd like to think that that I, I kind of did my bit back for them as well I, I I'd like to think that I'm still kind of giving them some back, you know, with the coach and trying to help the younger players as well. Yeah, 100%. But do you want to talk me through your time then at Forest? Like, uh, for your first spell there, just talk me the whole way through from from your own uh, perspective. Yeah, so um, I I was very, very lucky. And I speak about this a lot. I worked with Brian Kerr with the underage international teams and Brian was fantastic. Brian totally understood how to get, not the best just out of me, but the best out of us all. Now, I was also very lucky that I had a coach, um, you know, very, very different in styles and personalities, but um, but also Paul Hart at Forest knew how to get the best out of players. And Paul was one of the best coaches that I've ever come across. Um uh, he had a he had a way of getting things across to you very very simply, but very very clearly. So you understood that when you stepped out on the on on the he could explain to you what you wanted. So when you went out onto the pitch, you knew what was expected from you. So every time you went out on the football pitch, you knew what Paul wanted from you. Um, it's something that you know I try and get as across as 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 a um, as a coach now, and it's something that I look back on as be really really clear, especially with young players. And Paul was fantastic at that. So I had Paul for for kind of four years um, at U team level, managed to kind of get into the reserves. And David Platt was first team manager. Um, now it, I suppose one bit I should touch on that the U team that we had was 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 a very successful U team. We won the under uh, nineteen Premier League uh, title. Uh, There's people like Michael Dawson in it, Jermaine Genus, David Prutton, uh, Keith Foy was in it, John Thompson, um, who obviously got into the first team, played for Ireland as well, um, was in. So we um, we had a very successful U team with loads. Of Irish players in it, uh, people like Niall Hudson, Brian Cash, Niall McNamara, Barry Roach, um, and uh, Paul Fenton. You know, I could I could name loads. And David Freeman, as I mentioned earlier, was a year older, um, two years older than me. And John Burns was a couple of years older again. So um, there was a massive piece for an Irish, a young Irish player to be um, at that particular time. Um, so, you know, we successful U team, really good football um, from Paul Hart, from Ian McParland. Steve Wigley was a coach of us as well. John Pemmett and Chris Fairclough played uh, coaches like this who we learned so, so much from. Um, and, and, then, and then, you know, getting through into the reserves and doing OK. And then David Platt was the first team manager at the time and uh, gave me my debut. Um, so I made my debut against Sheffield United, um, a home city ground Tuesday night game. Uh, the city ground for for me in night games are absolutely fantastic. There's a there's a beautiful scene for me 
the night games as you're coming to arrive, especially in the winter. I think it was might have been the end of January, start of February, maybe when I made my debut. You come over Trent Bridge for a night game, and the floodlights are on, and you can see the big forest crest up uh, up on the on the side of the Trent End stand, and you drive over the river, and it's for me experiencing that. Um, on my way to make my debut um, for Forest, we played against Sheffield United. Uh, we managed to win 2 0, and I managed to get a goal um, on my debut as well, which was, you know, kind of at the tre- in the trend end as well, which I know most grounds kind of have an end where it's a kind of a special kind of end, and, and the trend end is that end. So to get a goal on my debut at the trend end, just to win as well 2 0, it was, you know, just. Uh, without trying to sound corny and kind of say it's stuff dreams are made of, it, it is, you know, my dream was kind of coming to reality, kind of there and then. Really, really special time. Yeah, well, it's it, like every kid's ambition is to grow up, sign for a pro club and score a goal, as you say, in their end. So to me, it doesn't sound corny, maybe to other people, but, you know, lead them off. But kind of touching on then, kind of breaking into the first team and then I suppose coming into the Ireland setup then. Do you want to talk me through how that kind of transition happened? Yeah, well I I've been doing I've been doing pretty well for the for the twenty ones. Uh, Don Givens was was twenty ones manager. I've been doing all right. I scored quite a few goals, but I don't think it was kind of Ireland's twenty ones performances that were that kind of got I I I'd got to a stage where David Platt had left and Paul Hart had taken over as force team manager and we, you know, mentioned the players that I mentioned to you earlier on in the U team. These players were starting to get into the force team now. Myself and John Thompson and uh, Michael Dawson, Jermaine Genius had not long signed for Newcastle. Um, so we had uh, we 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 had a really good team. We had David Johnson banging in goals up front with Marlon Harewood, Ricky Shimmicky was a fantastic footballer, Jim Brennan left back, Mighty Louis Jean right back. We had a really good team, um, and Paul Hart was the manager. Had us playing great football. Um, you know, really exciting playing out from the back. You know, this was, uh, you know, we, 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 you know, this is kind of what is it, 15, 16 years ago. We're playing out from the back, you know, I said that coming in to try and get on the ball. We're passing through, through the tours, walking away up, you know, and this is a long time ago, you know what I mean? So it's not just, the, it's not just the last kind of five or six years that, um, that uh, people have been playing out from the back. We were playing the great brand of football. And I was playing particularly well. I was playing left side of a diamond in midfield and um, and Brian had been to watch a game and Brian knew what it was all about. He knew I could be uh, a moody so-and-so every now and again. Um, but he also knew that uh, that I had ability and that I could, um, you know, that I could make it, you know, he believed that I could make a difference. So he called me into the into the squad for the Canada game Um and it was my first time in the squad, and I, I kind of just thought, you know, I'll ease my way in, and you know, it'd be, it'd be great. So I got called into the squad, and um, you know, Brian knew what I was all about, and um, I, I was delighted, you know. But I thought, you know, he's calling me in, great. I can, I can get to know some of the players, get to train with the players. It'd be brilliant um, if we can get five or ten minutes on the pitch, and you know, and get a first cap, then great. Um, and then he pulled me the day before Brian did and he says you're starting the game tomorrow and he said don't any you mess and make sure you get yourself a good night's sleep I want the good performance out of you tomorrow you know so uh, so I was like jeez oh, I'm starting you know brilliant you know so I went to bed rang all 
uh, they were all there. Um, my dad, my granddad, my brothers, um, uh, Dora, everybody was there. Um, the, the, the whole lot of them turned up, it, and it was great. And I always remember lining up for the national, excuse me, lining up for the national anthem, and um, yeah, I lands down road and looking up and seeing me ma, me dad, me granddad. And it was like it's surreal, you know. You kind of think to yourself, "Oh, what's what's going on here?" And singing the national anthem, and then the game started, and and I, I played, I, I played quite well. Set up a goal, got man of the match. Was you know really really pleased with me performance, and uh, and again, you know, if you to talk about you know debuts, my my club debut went perfectly well, and my international debut went brilliantly well as well. We won three nil, and I had a hand in in a couple of the goals and. Um, you know, the old Lansdale Road, you know, it's just, just really, really special again. And, um, it's just something that anything can happen in your life. And, uh, so anything can happen in your life and anybody can try and shoot you down and anybody can say, oh yeah, but you could have done this and you could have done that, but nobody can ever take, uh, them things away from you. Them really, really special moments. Um, they're, I'm very, very lucky because not many people get to, uh, get to experience them you know so for me to have an experience it was it was fantastic and i'm actually delighted for you now obviously kind of later on what, what's happening in your family that the fact that your family were all there to witness that with you made it even sweeter i'm sure yeah yeah there was listen it listen i know we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier on um a couple a couple of years ago, I lost both my parents uh, within a year of each other, and we we we'd be a very very close knit family, you know, with my parents and my uh, my four brothers and my nieces and, and and my nephews, you know, our kind of um, our immediate family. Is was my ma first of all was was you know was really really tough. Uh, it was tough on everybody and. Um, probably none more so than my dad, and, and and then kind of a year later, kind of took its toll on him, and then and, and and we lost him as well. And you know, people talk about things that aren't really the same when they go, and things haven't been the same. You know, me my dad was a big um, was a big influence on the family, and my ma was the one who kind of held everything together, and uh, they were kind of larger than life characters. So, um, to lose them is you know it's been a you know it's been a tough time as it would be for anybody, and. But you know, from from my perspective, you know, um, I, I'd like to think that I made them proud. I know my under sixteen medal um, was pride of place in in the trophy cabinet that's up in the house and in Clogger Road, um, and um, you know, it was set out. And you want to um, achieve things in football. You want to make a professional career out of yourself. And Part of the reason that you want to do that is to try and make your family proud, you know. And, and I'd like to think that that I've done that, that I gave them plenty of proud moments. Well, I I definitely think you did, and um, you know, I lost my father myself as well, so I I know where you're coming from in that regard. But uh, the fact, as I say, that they got to see you make your debut, get man of the match, and obviously you've you've got the other accolades there. You obviously mentioned the under 16 medal and stuff like that. So kind of. Going back to kind of look forward, I, I suppose in many ways they would have been proud of the career that you had. Yeah, they, they yeah they were. You know, um, they, uh, they my brothers my brothers used to always kind of give me a little bit of stick and say and, and say to me, "Ma, yeah, he's only a favourite because he's a professional footballer." <laughs> and uh, you like know, Keith, and, was it? yeah, Keith, Keith would say that all the time. Yeah, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I, you know, I'd like to take, you know, listen, I think they've, they've all been proud of kind of what he achieved in the game. And, and, you know, it was great to kind of, to kind of be able to, to do that and give them that. And because listen, let's not forget that my dad was a footballer as well. And, um, you know, played for, uh, played for Pax, um, um, and he was a very good footballer as well. I mean, that understood the game really, really well. So, um, so, so it was, it was almost great to do for him as well, you know, and I always got that kind of sense of pride kind of beaming from him every time he came to, uh, to watch me play. Um, and they're nice things, you know, and we, you know, they're nice things to, to kind of do and to kind of have and, you know, and and there's there's loads of pictures and there's loads of things, but you know the the, the best things are up there. The best, the, you know, the memories, you know, the memories that you have of of, of of playing and 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 after the game to see them when you when you kind of done well. You know, they're 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 kind of special moments that that I spent with my family. Yeah, I suppose you you obviously cherish them a lot more uh, now, but kind of going back to Forest and then. You obviously left there to go to Spurs. So was it hard for you leaving Forest at the time? Because it sounded like you you obviously loved your time there and spent a lot of years there. Like, yeah, well, listen, it was and it wasn't. Um, uh, Forest, um, we 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 not uh, we got knocked out in the playoffs. Sheffield United had beat us in the playoffs, and it was, was gut wrenching, really. And we'd have I mentioned we'd a really really good side, but there was a few players out of contract and. Um, the chairman and the owner of the club at the time, Nigel Doherty, and he's since passed away, God rest him. Uh, and, and he was a fantastic chairman, but he was very, very realistic about uh, what he, he could do to support the club. And he supported the club phenomenally well. I mean, you know, I remember the club kind of club and um, he, he, you know, he pumped a hell of a lot of money into the club. But he was at a stage where he couldn't really put much more in than what he was putting in at that particular time. So players who were out of contract and forcing didn't get kept. And the team was subsequently weakened and we didn't really bring in replacements. And um, Paul Hart, um, after a bad run, um, unfortunately got sacked, which was a which was a big blow. Um, Mick Harford took over. Grant great with Mick Harford. Mick was great. Would have loving them to get the job. Um, uh, sorry, Joe Hart, Joe Kinnear got, uh, came in after Paul. Um, and then Mick took over them for a bit from Joe when Joe got sacked. And um, then when Mick left, then Gary Megson came in. And listen, it was abundantly clear that I didn't really fit into the way that Gary Megson wanted to play football. Um, I want. I had an opportunity to go and play for Tottenham. You know, top half Premier League club. Where uh, I kind of are. I really want to leave Nottingham Forest and go anywhere. There was, you know, there was a great opportunity for me to go to a fantastic club um, playing in the Premier League and and Forest to get good money for them. So me and Michael Dawson went uh, as part of the same deal, and 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 we both went down to uh, down to London and signed on transfer deadline day. And how was that for you then, um, from moving, say, from the Championship to the Premier League? Did you did you find it was a, a hard jump to make? Yeah, I actually felt all right with it. Um, when I went down, I kind of played pretty much every game for the first kind of six, seven months. And there was a technical director there, Frank Anderson, who, saw, who, who, who was really kind of doing all the signings. And in the summer after I'd kind of gone there, he left and went to Chelsea. Um, Martin Yall, who had been the head coach, kind of more became the manager and had more of an input into how 
things or trajectory as opposed to kind of signing younger players and kind of trying to develop them. They started signing kind of more senior players and putting them on a lot of money. Um, people like Edgar Davids came in and Mido came in and they were on a lot of money. And I'm kind of sat there and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if, it be, if it's between, uh, you know, a player who's on a hell of a lot of money and need the money needs to be justified and me kind of playing, um, am I going to play? Uh, and I didn't get the uh, I didn't get the impression that um, that Martin Yall was was going to play me um, all that much, and I wasn't. Listen, Tottenham's a fantastic club. I absolutely loved it. It was you know had had a great time there, a great experience playing with fantastic players. We just missed out on qualifying for the Champions League on the last day of the season, but qualified for Europe. You know, so I look back in it and I say probably personally um, wasn't. It wasn't a massive success, but I wouldn't say it was a, a particularly. I wouldn't say it was it was a, an unsuccessful one. I, um, towards the end, I didn't really play as much as I could, and I was at the age where I didn't wait for six months, I wait for a year. I just wanted to play week in, week out, and um, and, and you know, with the players that Tottenham were signing, they couldn't kind of really offer me that. So you know, an opportunity for me to. To sign for uh, for Charlton, uh, Ian Dowie rang me and he asked me if I'd um, if if I'd be interested in coming. And I was like, you know, they were in the Premier League at the time. Charlton, uh, Alan Corbisley had just left. They'd been very successful in the Premier League as well. And uh, Ian Dowie was trying to build something a little bit different and trying to put together a new squad. And would I be interested in going and signing for him? I liked the way he spoke. He came across really, really well. And um, the rest is history. I went and you know went and signed for them because it felt like it was the right thing to do, and um, and, I, and I think it was the right thing to do. I had two great years at Charlton, and and it's, it's a club. Charlton's another club that's very very close to me heart. It's a club very similar to Forest in a lot of ways. It's a real family kind of club, and I don't know if you've ever been to the Valley, far from the kind of uh, the O2 Arena, which used to be the Millennium Dome, and. Um, it's just got a real old football ground feel to it, so it's got a real tradition to it, and the, the, the club is such a friendly club. And any time I've been back since since I left, it's been brilliant. So I had two great years there. Um, had a couple of injuries, unfortunately, we got kind of relegated, and um, uh, in the championship, then Alan Pardew would come in and he'd taken over, and I, I loved playing on the on the part. I thought he was brilliant. He was great for me. He made me captain, um, and I was uh, performing really, really well. Now the club, after they'd got relegated, um, they uh, they needed to raise some funds. So it came to January, and we were toured in the league. And you know, again, I was playing really well and really happy. And um, so my agent called me and he said, um, "Sunderland are interested in signing you." And 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 I said, "We're toured in the league, so we've got a chance of getting promoted." He said, "Yeah, yeah by the looks of things." child and uh, they need the money so I rang up Alan Pardew and I said you know what's going on here Gaffer and he said I'm trying to convince them that you know we need to keep you we're gonna or else we won't get promoted and um he said well you know they seem to need the money so he says you know go go and speak to Sunderland so I went up and spoke to them and um and and, and again things in football happen really kind of quickly you know I I went up to kind of speak to Sunderland on on the Friday morning. And then by the Friday evening, then um, everything had been agreed, and um, I rang, I sat down with Roy, and 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 Roy was really really good. You know, we Sunderland were were toward bottom in the. Prim-
he told me what his plans were and um you know again how i would fit into them and you know if some from a football perspective everything seemed all right but you know i was happy at charlton i i, I didn't necessarily feel a mad need to kind of go and i rang alan paradio again before i signed and spoke to him and told him and he just said you know he, he was really really good to be honest with you he said listen really it's a great opportunity for you to go um the club need the money um i suggest it's probably you know best he, he said i'm good to kind of let you go he says oh, i think it's probably going to take away your best chance of um of getting promoted this season and um and and I think in the end they ended up finished kind of eight or ninth or something like that, which was disappointing because I would have liked to think that I could have helped if I stayed. But you know, an opportunity to go again, play in the Premier League, play for somebody who's you know a hero of mine. And um, again, there was a big Irish contingent up there. Three and a half great years um, at Sunderland. I absolutely loved it. And um, the people up in the northeast of um, of of England are. Um, are great people. They're very, very similar to uh, to Irish people. I, I always found the real working class kind of people, and they're you know great company. Really, really passionate about the football club, and you know, and, and to represent Sunderland, represent such a f passionate um, following, and and had some great times up there. You know, spent some great times up there. We managed to uh, stay up um, the fourth season. Um, next season, Roy ended up leaving, and um, we managed to stay up again the next season. And then Steve Bruce came in and got off to a really, really good start. Um, and I picked up an injury then uh, just after Christmas and didn't play from from just after Christmas till the end of the season. And then by the time I got back, I was going into my last year of my contract. Um, the team was pretty settled. So I wasn't really kind of playing too much. So I ended up going to um, to Blackpool then for for six months, um, which was a completely different experience altogether. Well, well, you know, you kind of touched on your time at Spurs, Charlton, and then um, Sunderland. And in that time, you you would have played with a lot of the top Irish players at the time. You would have been with Robbie at uh, Spurs, you would have been with um, Matt Holland and Matt Kinsler. Were they still playing at Charlton with you? Yeah, yeah Kin Kin Kins wasn't, but, but, but I played with, with Matt Holland, yeah. yeah. And then, obviously, you spoke about the Irish contingent at Sunderland, and then there was um, you know, Roy, the manager, as well. But did you find then, when at international level, that obviously helped when you have a couple of players playing the same club, kind of know your game, and it hel helped you more so on the pitch. Yeah, I I think so. Um, I think so. Um, it's always good to kind of hear a familiar voice, hobby at international level and at club level as well. Uh, um, I always felt he kind of knew that I could pick that forward pass, and Robbie's movement was fantastic. So I knew that if he was kind of coming towards a ball, he was going to spin in behind, or if he was going behind, he was going to come in and get the ball into his feet. And we had a bit of a decent understanding that we built up kind of over the time. And um, so little things like that kind of help. Um, but listen, it, it's it's um, football's strange in that respect, in that you know 
you kind of get thrown in somewhere. You, you get on with people, and you get on. You, you get on with some people. You don't get on with some people, and 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 that's that's. It's not just football. That's part of normal life, you know. So you have to adapt, and you have to move on. But definitely, have you know, having that familiar accent, um, I, I think helps. And there was loads when I went to Sunderland, you know, because when I went to Sunderland, uh, Lee Miller, bless him, was there. Uh, Daryl Morphy was there. There, I'm probably leaving leaving someone out now. But but you know that's a that's a it's a big kind of Irish contingent. And Greg Halford. Well, well, you see, well, no, I played with Greg at Forest, um, Greg Halford. But when I went um, to Sunderland from Charlton, Greg Halford went the other way as part. Oh, of, sorry, yeah. so they went permanently, and they sent Greg to. To Charlton on loan, so he went on loan. So I always used to joke with Greg. I used to say, when I left Charlton and you went down, we were in tour place, and by the time you finished up the season, they were in eighth. <laughs> I so took that one well. Yeah, well, it's not easy for someone with an ego the size of Greg Halford's to take. <laughs> I'm not even joking. He's, he, he's actually not a bad lad. Well, just kind of because you said you, you went to Blackpool then, but just in regards because we kind of. Went away from the international stuff there, but you were kind of there with, with Brian and Steve leading on then. Um, what was it like throughout the time there? Because we had a serious team in, in in that time. I think that's, from my perspective, it's probably the best team we've had in a long time. Uh, it was yourself, Duffer, Clinton Morrison, Robbie, uh, Matt Holland. I think Roy came back for a little bit just before you know he was managing. Um, uh, even though, uh, I haven't even got to the defence yet. Like, so yeah, well, that's the I mean, the defence was good as well. I mean, just look at the right back slot. You had Stephen Carr and you had Steve Finnan um, battling around for a place there. Uh, Ian Hart. Gary back. Kelly had just retired, didn't he? Gary Kelly had just retired. You got um, you got Richie Dunn, Kenny Cunningham, Gary Breen. Um, you know, you could kind of play any of them. And Dunny was a rocket. Shea in goal. It was it was fantastic to be part of, and you know, kind of. I think all the lads kind of look back on that qualifying campaign when when we had uh, France and Israel. I don't know um, how clear you remember it, but um, we. Oh, were, I was going to the games when I was a kid. There, yeah, I remember. Them. Yeah, I mean the two the the, the two Israel games. Um, I mean, well, well, first of all, when we went over to France. The way we beat them, we drew nil nil, and they had a strong side. You know, Vieira, Zidane, um, Henri, Saram, Henri. You know, they 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 had a phenomenal side. But we were the better side against them. I thought over there, um, Henri scored a brilliant goal. They beat us one nil at home. But the two games that that really kind of um, done it for us were the Israel game. So Israel away, um, they equalised three minutes into injury time. Um, would have been an unbelievable result for us. And then Israel at home, we were 2 0 up at half time and uh, ended up drawing the game 2 2. And if we had a, you know, if we, even if we had a, one of them, I think we would have qualified, you know. So, um, so, so that was hard to take because it was a great bunch of lads as well. And, uh, you know, you, you're talking about the social side of the game. And again, I don't just mean, you know, don't get me wrong, the lads could have a few points, um, but I don't just mean that. It was a great group to be around, you know. When, when I came back into, into international football, that things had changed in the respect that when we were going to meet up with a squad, um, before um, I had the the, the the break in between, 
we we'd say meet up at twelve o'clock on the Sunday. All the lads would fly in on the Saturday night, and we'd all get together and go and have a few drinks quite often, you know, um, uh, and and have a bit of a get together. Or we'd just meet up and we'd go for a meal, or we'd kind of do whatever. And um, when I came back into, we I just found that people would kind of turn up at ten minutes to twelve, you know, and just like right, we're here, and uh, didn't quite have that same kind of um, feel to it in the, in the and and listen, don't get me wrong. Football changed in that period of time as well, and there's a, there's a completely different outlook on football, and um, so uh, the social side to it wasn't um, wasn't what what wasn't there as much, you know. People as much people were on the phones a lot more, and um, and, and that, you know we, we we spoke about that earlier on, but it just didn't have the same kind of feel for for me when 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 I went back in the same atmosphere, the same kind of camaraderie and training, and um, that was just you know that was just my feeling of it. Maybe other people have different um, opinions of it and different feelings of it, but that was my uh, feeling of it. You know. Yeah, well, you, you, like I think in many ways you got to play with a lot of kind of generational kind of players like yeah, your Robbies I, we actually never even mentioned John O'Shea there when we were talking before as well he was unbelievable um, for Ireland obviously throughout his career but to some himself Robbie and all these types of players that you, you did get you obviously got to play with Roy when he came back in then as well so there was in, a, in many ways you did get to play with a lot of very good players at international level I know maybe as you said coming back in it wasn't the same but I think we didn't have as good of a squad then, probably during yeah, the Capitoni era yeah. as previously. I, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, and the, the, these were great players, but um, that you know that I played with, but they were also great blokes as well. I mean, Graham Cavanaugh, what a great bloke down there. Steve, Steve, Steve Carr, what a great fella. Kenny Cunningham, brilliant. A captain would organise everything, would do everything. Richard Dunn, what a bloke. Ian Hart. Um, Lee Carsley, uh, who we have mentioned, Steve Finn and Robbie Duffer. I mean, you know, been doing the pro license with Robbie and Duffer. They're still great blokes to this day. Um, you know, uh, so many, so many. Clinton, you know, what I mean, was brilliant around the place. Kev Kilban, haven't mentioned Kev Kilban. Another, yeah. you, know, you know, you're talking. See, the thing for me is not the, not that these were fantastic players. For me, these were great blokes, and these were blokes that I went into the squad and I would I'd look up to these, and, I, and and they they do so much to help me. You know, they do so much to help me. Like when I played with Lee Carsley. Uh, we played against Germany at home and we should have beat them. And Lee, me and Lee Carsley played in the middle of the park together. And he just said to me, really, when I get the ball, I'll give it to you and you just go and play. And anything that I can do to help you, anything that I can do to support you, you just go and express yourself. You know, and, and, and like, you know, Carsley was playing brilliant every week for, for, um, for Everton. You know what I mean? And um, to kind of have somebody like that just kind of just give you that little bit of a G up and that's uh, uh, Richie Dunn you know, Richie Dunn would say to me really if you give the ball like don't get me wrong you wouldn't be saying give the ball away but if you do give the ball away don't worry about it he says I need you to have the ball when I'm playing out in the back I need you to show from the ball so if you give the ball away doesn't matter but you need to show for me you know I'm like yeah no problem that's what I do give me the ball I'll play um, uh, but to have that support from them you know what I mean it's fantastic. It's great, and but that comes from, I suppose it, it, it goes hand in hand. Great players, but great, great people as well. You know, fantastic people. Great. There was a great humility in that group of people that um, that I loved. You know, a real kind of 
down to earthness about them all. And the camaraderie was great. And it's a time that I look back on and very fond of it. And, you know, I know speak very, very unlucky the way things turned out for Brian. Um, I suppose um, at that point he was, you know, someone say he's kind of hard done to and, and, and it'd be difficult to kind of argue with that because, his his record as an oil manager was great, but Brian and and Noel um, Noel O'Reilly were were particularly great at enhancing things like that. So they done it with the under sixteen team. They done it with the under eighteen team. They came in there and they were able to kind of harness that um, camaraderie that was there and improve it and, and improve it and kind of really kind of make the most of it. And they done the same with that Ireland set up and they done. Um, um, you know the same with the under 18s as well. Brian and Noel as a as a they were like they were like a tag team. They were you know they were they were absolutely brilliant and you know, can't speak highly enough of, of Noel O'Reilly. He was you know was absolutely fantastic and knew Noel from from when I was under 16s and he was and he was brilliant. You know he was great at just understanding so personable understood how people were feeling. If you needed a little bit of a G up, Noel was kind of there to give it to you and. And then Brian, Brian was just able to make you go out on a pitch and feel like it doesn't matter who you were playing against, you could go out and beat them. And that's what happened when we were in the under-16s. You know, we're going up against Spain. We beat Spain. We beat Portugal. We beat Italy. Brian had us going out making us believe that we were better than them. And as it turned out, we were. I think Stephen Kenny is, is, is kind of similar in that mode. From speaking to a lot of the younger lads now, they, they tend to say the same similar things. What you've just said to me there about just making even Richie Telks, obviously he played with him under Dundalk, and he was just saying like he just makes you feel like you're the best player in the world. And it sounds to me like Brian Kerr was like that with yourselves, especially you yeah. growing up with him. Yeah, in you know, in that respect, how they kind of get the best out of players, there would probably be similarities there between Brian and, and Stephen. Um now, not in personality because because they're very, very different, not in coaching styles, because um, they'd be very, very different, but in how they have a way of getting the best out of a group of players, and in it, well, first of all, an individual, and then a group of players, which is ultimately what, what you try and do as a coach. You need to try and uh, understand the individual and try and improve him and try and make him a little bit better and then bring it together into a team setting, because it's a team sport, obviously, and if everybody can gel in, so, um, or you know, having met Stephen and, and uh, over met Stephen when he came into the job, uh, what was it, eighteen months ago, something like that. He's been absolutely yeah. fantastic with me, um, as Mick was before, um, and to get to understand um, the workings of Stephen and how he kind of operates has has been great, and he's been a great support. And and all them things that you just said there about uh, getting the best out of players. He he seems to do that in abundance. And Keith said, Keith said, he said to me, he says, really, the lads they'd run through a brick wall for him, um, and and that's that's what you want. And if you can couple that with fantastic knowledge of the game, which Stephen has, and um, fantastic tactical awareness, which is abundantly evident, um, if you watch any of them twenty ones games, how prepared they are, um, how motivated they are, um, and then I think he's done fantastically well in surrounding himself with. Uh, good people who understand the international setup with the 21s with Jim Crawford um, and um, then with and Keith as well, Keith Andrews, and then you know, bringing Duffer into the fold as well. Um, and I know from experience because I've you know worked with, with, with Keith, um, 
uh, played with him, um, and then you know we've done a pro license together. So we're now uh, we've done our uh, A license together as well. So you know I know Keith's a fantastic coach, and then you talk about Jim that he's and Jim's fantastic, just taking over the twenty ones, and it's brilliant. I worked with Jim when I was with uh, with the eighteens. He brought me in to to kind of help him and Dennis Highland out, and um, fantastic knowledge of the game, and and again a great bloke and somebody that that I would see as um, J- Jim Crawford would be somebody that I would see as as a, as a kind of mentor kind of figure for me, and um, somebody that I feel that I could pick up the phone and he's got a real calmness about him and a real assurity about him. That's great to hear when you pick up the phone and you've just got an idea. It's great to hear that, Mandy, not too sure about that, but what about if you add this into it, then maybe you could have, that's great. Um, or, yeah, yeah, that's good, you know. Why don't you? So, you know, it's good to be able to bounce these things off. And Jim is somebody who, for me, um, has been a, been a massive help, massive help in, in my development as a coach and developing developing that as a person um, into a coach, if if that makes sense. I don't know if, I, if I've explained. I know, that. I know what you mean. I'm getting off the I'm getting off the point a little bit and kind of moving it into coaching a little bit here. But um, I'm talking about the transition from player to coach. You have to get out of that playing mentality. You're not a player anymore, and you have a completely different outlook on it. And it's not easy. Um, so you have to kind of trying to learn how to understand the game in a little bit of a different way because you're not just understanding it from your perspective anymore. You have to understand it from 11 players on the pitch plus possibly eight or nine on the bench, what you can have in international football. Yeah, well, just before we go back to, to Forest and kind of finishing up there, we'll talk a bit about Blackpool as well. But, you know, it's obviously well documented, the stuff with Trapatone. Don't really want to go into the, the politics or anything like that on it. But, you know, during that time, you had yourself, um, kind of Wezzo was coming in a little bit. And from a coaching perspective, do you find that at that time, players like yourself found it really, really difficult because you were skillful and you, it seemed as though, from a coaching point of view, Trapatoni's um, setup was ultra defensive. So for someone like yourself or Wezzo or trying to think of any other creative players we had around that time, um, we're trying to break in and you just found it really hard. Um, I don't really want to get into why you weren't in the squad anymore or anything like that, but I just mean purely from a coaching yeah, perspective. Listen, the, the thing about it is the way that, that he wanted to set up, um, I, I, I found the way that he wanted to set up um, a little bit disrespectful to some of the players that we had. Take me take me out of it, you know, take me out of it. And, and even just, just look at the players that he picked um, or the players that he kind of left on the bench. The way that he set them up to play, I thought, was a little bit disrespectful. And I know they had a little bit of short-term success, um, but I didn't think there was any kind of longevity in it. I didn't think there was any development of young players in it. I didn't, uh, didn't you know, there was, there was no young players developed within that time that you could see progressively getting better over time. Um, and it was a little bit disrespectful, I thought, to kind of put a team out on the pitch and kind of say, well... Uh, you know, we're, we're not really good enough to go and attack teams. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go and attack every single team because there's some teams in the international setup that you can't just go all out and attack because you get beat 6 or 7 nil. But there was teams that we came up against that when we had people like Damien Duff, Wes Houlihan, um, uh, Robbie Keane. You can tell me that we can't go out and we can't outplay them. John O'Shea playing out in the back with Richie Dunn, uh, Keith Andrews in the middle of the park. Um 
so, you know, you're talking about players who can play football, you know, and who had the ability to play football. And I just thought, um, he, he, I, I just didn't think that he helped the development of, of our players. I just thought it was, it was kind of short-sighted kind of gains without seeing the bigger picture of developing Irish football. And, um, and, and I, I, I didn't really think about it too much at the time. Um, about the impact that it had, but I do think that it impacted the impacted the growth and the development of um, of a lot of young young Irish players, um, uh, and I, I think it kind of hindered um, our style and development. And I think we're only kind of uh, kind of getting back to, to to kind of that over the last probably four or five years. You know, I think it kind of. It had a real impact on 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 the grassroots level and of the development of young players, and I think that that comes from a style of play. Um, but listen, there, there was there was short term success there, and they qualified for a couple of tournaments. And I know it didn't, I know it didn't go particularly well. And they got there, but they did qualify for for a tournament, and that's kind of testament to the players. Um, um, as much as anything, but I just felt that that a kind of um, I just think there wasn't very very much to that. Um, but I don't want to sound, uh, you know, I don't want <laughs> I don't want to come across and say, oh, well, he's just saying, I, I, he's just saying that because Trapattoni never picked them because I'm not like that, um, and I'm not kind of about that um, anymore. I'd like to think of kind of. I think you've matured. Well, well, I have, and and and, and I, I'm purely seeing it now on on the. the and now that I'm looking at it with my coaching kind of hat on, I love developing players. You know, I love seeing how they how they develop. I love seeing how how they can improve from day to day, from session to session, and how they can take that into games. and And I love seeing the trajectory that they take and where they can go and where they believe that they can go. When I say it to our players all the time, I, I say it to our Ireland under eighteen players. I say it to Forest twenty three players. I say it's all. I believe in you. I say, and and, and um, when I'm when I'm with Ireland, Dennis Hoyland, we say we believe in you. Uh, you know, but it doesn't matter whether we believe in you. You have to believe in yourself, because it doesn't matter if we believe in you. I love seeing that. Um, I, I love seeing players develop um, tactically, technically. And I love seeing their personalities develop as they get a little bit older as well, you know, and see see the ones who really kind of stick out the chest and step up to the plate. And so, give you an example of of of, of now I I didn't walk them all that much, but as somebody that we've seen coming through the system recently, Jason Knight. Um, I, I went away to a tournament and, and helped Jim and Dennis Hyland out over in Pinatar a couple of years ago. Jason Knight played, Adam Eder played, um. And, uh, you know, watching them and you kind of see me think, yeah, these boys, they definitely have something about them. And then you see Adam getting into Norwich Force team and, and see uh, Jason Knight up the road from from where I am now up at Derby County um, getting into Derby's Force team and how well he's done. And, and, you know, there's a real belief about them players. And I love seeing that and I love trying to be a part of that and trying to enhance that. And I think that's um, abundantly clear to see when you see the players coming through, the type of players that they are, the style of football that they want to play, um, and the type of characters. Because it's important that we develop characters as well, strong characters um, who are able to stand up to the rigours of football, because football can be a very hostile environment um, to be a part of if things aren't going particularly well for you. So you have to have that real resilience about you. So 
Um, I like trying to develop that as well. I'd like to think I can develop that because I've been through that. You know, I, I, I've, I've, I've been through these things that these young players are going through. So, um, and, and, and I just feel looking back on that time that there wasn't too much of that going on um, within within the Ireland setup. And I look at it now and it's flowing through it right the way up from Niall Harrison with the foot with the under-14s. We've never had an under-14 team before, but we've got it. So you're looking at the player ID from younger all the way up. Jason O'Donoghue, the 15s, have had a but they've had a phenomenal season. Um, you look at the 16s, Paul Assam, um, who's doing a fantastic job as well. Colin O'Brien has done a fantastic job over, job over a very long period of time. Uh, Tom Moan with the 19s. Tom has got phenomenal results. Um, and you consider the players that were taken away from under his feet before he went yeah. over to the tournament in Armenia um, and what he was able to achieve in there. Jim Crawford doing the 18s job before me, what he's done with the with the and um, what he's done with the 21s, Stephen with the 21s, Keith Andrews, Duffer's involved now, Robbie has been involved, and, and Mick as well, you know, has to take his part. And I just feel there's a lot of positivity within Irish football at the minute, and it pleases me to kind of to say that. And I love seeing these um I, I love seeing these pathways these, um, for the young players coming through. You know, we have these managers' meetings every month where all the managers and Mick was in, was in, in them when he was in and Stephen was in, in them and, 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 and we have all the managers all the way down and real doctor kind of leads it. Uh, if you've had games or you've had a tournament, then um, uh, you do a presentation on your games, who you played against, what your team are doing, video clips, there's all these stuff. We're looking at trends in modern football. We're looking at where is our football going? How are we trying to improve? So there's a lot going on that probably people don't kind of get to see that's really exciting. So, you know, we get to see... I got it. to see it because I, I went out to uh, to do the cover the 15s game for Jason and he brought us in. The, we did like an insightful video. They, they did like the briefing before the game against... Uh, they played Australia and they beat them. They were like two years older and he went through like the briefing and everything and I was blown away by the level of insight and then he spoke about how all the managers, like you said, from the 15s right up to the senior team have all been basically doing the manager meetings once a month with Ruth Doctor, as you said there. I think a lot of people had watched that so if they haven't watched it, maybe they'll head over and watch it but it has the clips of the lads playing against England oh, and all, well, all that type of practical stuff. Yeah, well, if it's something that if it's something that listen, that's not for everybody. Not and people, a lot of people love football for just switching on the TV or going to watch a match and enjoying that, and that's great. But if you're in, if if you're interested into the insight into it, then you should go and have a watch of it. Um, and and I I've said to to, to kind of rude and and we spoke very rude as as kind of agreed, and there's been other coaches have said it as well. We need to let people know a little bit more. Um, what we're doing and the work that's going on. So that insight that Jason kind of gave you, that you're able to put out there in the in the in the public domain, is is great. And I love talking about it because it means a lot to me, um, and it means a lot to all the other managers, and it means a lot to Rude. And this is a there's a there's a lot of work. There's a fantastic. Um, and we we call it kind of high performance culture. Um, and that's what we're trying to constantly improve. Can we get a little bit better? Can we get a little bit better? Can we get a little bit better? How can we improve? How can we make this setup more professional? How can we get that extra 2 3% out of everything that we've got? How can we... Um, uh, how can we produce a bigger pool of players moving forward? All these things are stuff that, you know, 
mean uh, mean a lot to us, and and it's great to be able to do it. Well, I do think you're right, though, as well, what you said about Trapatoni, because we did have really top players coming through at the time. I remember Seamus Coleman was flying and for some reason couldn't get in the team. And James McLean, I think, just about made the, the Euro squad. Uh, at the time, these players were doing well in the Premier League as well. But as you say now, not to really focus on the negative, on the more so on the positive side, it is great to see the likes of Troy Parrott getting his debut, Lee O'Connor, um, who else? Aaron Connolly, these types of players all got debuts on the Mick as well. So the fact that now Stevens worked with a lot coming through to add to what we have there is great to see yourself working at the underage and hopefully you'll allow me to come out and cover one of your games with the under 18s and get an insight to what you guys do when you are playing next. Yeah, listen, absolutely. Because, listen, there's, there's nothing to hide in, in what we're doing. You, you can't give away kind of team secrets and bits and pieces, but people need an insight into what we're doing. Um, and, and I think that's why it was great that, that you kind of seen that. And, 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 and it's important that, that, that we kind of do that. And I think we are, you know, we're, we're kind of getting there and, and uh, in doing it. And, um, you know, Rude's done a fantastic job um, over the years in bringing this all together and making it more professional and moving it forward. So for me to be able to learn from, from him as well, he's been a fantastic help to me, you know. Um, Rude has always there if I need to bounce out and off I'm fully aware that this is my first kind of head coach role so always there to lend a bit of advice but his knowledge and standing in the Ball Hall of Fame you know with people like Johan Cruyff and uh, you know and all, all the Dutch greats you know the, you know, so to be able to kind of tap into that for somebody like me um, who I'm trying to learn and trying to get on in the game is uh, is absolutely fantastic but it's another it's it's just another um, thing of of where I see Irish football going. So much positivity kind of surrounding it, and we should be proud of it. Yeah, when I hear you, I I, I actually hear a lot of Jason Donahue in what you're saying because a lot of stuff he he said it sounds a lot of like what you're saying now. Um, and I was kind of blown away being even in his company how positive, and he was speaking about the the high performance and dominating possession and everything like that, and it was just. It was just great to see and refreshing to hear the fact that you know, we want Ireland to go out and dominate the possession against whoever it is. It doesn't matter. We want to go out and dominate the ball and go at them. Yeah, well, listen, mindset is that's what we, that's what we have to continue to install in our players. We've been we instilling our players. We've been doing it. Um, over the last few years, and 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 we need to keep and we need to keep doing it with them. You know, we need to keep letting them know you're, you know, you're good enough to compete on this world stage. You know, and you know, and Stephen's done it from twenty ones level going with them, and we dominated Italy um, in, with the twenty ones. Yeah. Went over to Sweden, absolutely battered them, battered them at home as well. Played some great football. Um, we can go up against these teams and compete. We just. Um, and uh, we just, you know, needed that belief, and it's coming through. And you can see in Tom Mullen's team's performance over in Armenia, and um, uh, you know, you see Collins on the seventeens um, when they played in the in the under seventeen Euros over in England. You know, I mean, the performances that they put in—they were absolutely fantastic. Lost on penalties to Holland, um, and Colin went on Maybe. to. Holland went on to win the tournament. Do you know what I mean? So there's saying no, robbed in the game. Jimmy Corkin got sent off, didn't he? In the in the penalties. Yeah, you know, coming off the line or something silly like crazy fuck going on. But but again, these 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 people are um, 
at top class people. And another thing that I'll mention as well, just just with regards to a different department of the FAI that's flying at the moment and doing really well is the coach education department. Um, now I don't know if oh, it's, yeah. I don't know with Noel O'Regan. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with it or whether you've done anything with them before, but you should probably get in touch with Noel and go and spend um, some time um, and see what they're doing because there's some fantastic work going on. And uh, Tom Moan is a coach educator. Uh, Paula Sam's a coach educator. Um, Colin um, is a coach educator as well. Noel Harrison and Jason have done who They're all coach educators and international managers as well. So, so well, Noel O'Regan, excellent at, um, at his job. And Noel O'Regan's brilliant at what he does is in he brings everything together and he's very, very innovative um, and he's got great rapport with all the people at UEFA. So the courses are run uh, are run spot on and he's got some great people there that, that, um, that work with him um, as well. So um, that's a very, very interesting department and, and, and that can only help us um, if we're producing better coaches, then that means that the players are getting a better level of quality coaching. Um, and that will make them better players. It can't make them worse players. It make them better players. So the better coaches that we can produce, then the better ch- no, not, the better chance we have of um, of of producing better players because they're getting better information. They tactically they're, they're, they're more astute. Um, and then you know a lot of stuff is going on in the, on the mental side of the game as well. Uh, you know how can we make our players mentally better, mentally ready for. And, and ready to take on the challenges of football because you know as we mentioned earlier on football it's 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 a it's a harsh sport at times so we have to be um, coaches and managers and psychologists and friends and uh, you have to be ready to give somebody a kick up the backside you have to be ready to put your arm around them but to do that you have to understand the state of mind that they're in um, and how you can best help them so there's a lot of work going on on the mental side of the game as well as the tactical and technical well andy i, I could sit here and talk about ireland and irish football with you all day i, I, I love it but um just gonna i'm conscious of the time and i know i've had you on a long time so i'll just lastly run through quickly a time of forest um, you spoke kind of already on your your kind of irish uh, coaching so we'll talk about your time at forest and then getting into your time, what you're doing now, obviously, with Forrest then as well, and we'll finish on that, if that's okay. Uh, you on about when I came back to Forrest to play? Yeah, I'm kind of skipping over Blackpool a little bit, but I know, yeah, but... <laughs> you're not missing much. Yeah, so I came back to Forrest, and um, uh, it was my, my second time back at Forrest, and I know people say, don't, um, you, you shouldn't go back and wherever, but my second time at Forrest was actually really enjoyable. And played under some great managers as well. And Sean O'Driscoll, I thought, was a fantastic coach. He was really, really good. And then Billy Davis as well. Billy Davis was a fantastic coach um, and, and you know, played with some good players. And, and I, I really enjoyed my time when I came back and we put together a couple of decent sides. And um, funnily enough, I suppose a little bit of irony. I was when I did get injured, um, and when I done my groin, and I never kind of made it back from it. I was probably playing some of the best football that I'd um, that that I'd ever played in my career. You know, the season um, before kind of went kind of really, really well. We just missed out on on the playoffs, and uh, when I picked up my injury, so it was great to kind of come back and you know finish my career at 
we mentioned earlier how much uh, the club means to me, and and it still does now. I mean, my my eight year old Oscar has just signed for the under nines for for next season, you know. So that is a, that's that's a massively proud moment for me, and um, I can tell by the smile on your face. Yeah, no, it is. It's massively proud, and it's not just because uh, I'm a coach there or because I played there. He's actually earned it himself, which is you know, which is absolutely great. He's he's uh, he's kind of only been in there six months because I was kind of keen to keep him away from it until I thought it was kind of right if there is ever a right time. But he wanted to give it a go, and he went down, and he's adapted to it brilliant, and he's came on loads in the last six months. So that was kind of great for him. And you know, my role with the twenty threes. Um, Chris Cohen, who's the head coach, is somebody that um, I played with and he's somebody who's a very, very good friend of mine and um, it just f- kind of fit in right. Um, he was looking for somebody to, to, to kind of come in and, and help him out because it's a, it's, it's a big group of players to kind of look after and very important and he needed somebody to be able to bounce something off. Um, I spoke to Ruth Doctor about the possibility of doing it and routine is a great idea. He was like, listen, coaching every day um, will only make you a better coach as long as it doesn't impact on your Ireland stuff. Um, so I went in with Chris and spent the last kind of four months, three, four months kind of working with him. And it's been great. And me and Chris are great friends, but we hadn't worked together in a coaching capacity, even though we played with each other. So you're always kind of thinking, and he was thinking as well. And, you know, we spoken about, you know, what's the dynamic going to be like? Uh, how is this going to work? Are we going to be able to kind of, work together in a coaching capacity because you don't know but it's been great we've bounced off each other really well we're, as I said we're good friends we've got a, it's a very very similar philosophy on football and how we like to play in possession and out of possession how we like our teams to, to keep the ball where we like to build up from and how we like to get our forward runners in where we like to play the balls and also when we lose the ball how we like our team to, teams to press so uh, our philosophies are very, very similar, but we're very different characters. So we'd like to think that we kind of we bounce off each other in that respect. And it's gone. It's gone very, very well. You know, um, uh, we've seen, you know, the, the players have, have been great that we've worked with. And, uh, you know, you get to a stage where some players need to move on and that's part of football. Other players, there will be a pathway to the first team for us. And then you bring the other players through from the 18s to um, to try and develop them. And it's a, an ongoing process. So it's something that um, I've loved. It. It's been great being on the grass every single day. I mean, listen, I, the Ireland stuff is great. It's been brilliant. I've loved it. I can't tell you how much I've learned. The one downside. I would say from international football coaching and managing is that you're not on the pitch every single day um, you know to be on the pitch every single day is fantastic so for me to be able to do that at Forest and then still do the Ireland stuff as well um, it's been great um, you know and, and I, 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 I think I've come on kind of so much in, in, in a very very short space of time because you're on the on the training pitch every single day you've seen things a lot quicker you're, you're dealing with situations in real time as opposed to kind of building up to it for uh, kind of two months or wherever it may be. So to be able to deal with that and get your mind thinking quicker, get your, uh, you just get a feel for it a little bit more. So it's been great. And, uh, you know, I've absolutely loved it. But the main goal from it is that we get players ready to go into Forest Force team because that's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, we, we've won we've won loads of games since come in with, the, you know, the 23s. The league is finished now, but they, they were top of the league by eight points, I think, with game in hand. The last has done great. We'd lost probably one game in, in four months or something like that. You know, 
and, and that's brilliant. That's great, and it's great for everybody. But the main goal is to get these players ready for the force team, get these players into the force team. Um, how can we prepare them? And that's what our, our main goal is. Well, like just from talking to you, and I, I, I read stuff about your kind of me- mental state of mind that you kind of went in a good place previously, and it just seems from talking to you here now that since you've taken on this coaching role, both at Forest, obviously Ireland first, but you just seem much happier. Maybe it's because you're more active all the time and you're always thinking and, and getting yourself out there, but it's great to see. And even from looking and speaking to you here, how passionate you are about it, you know, I can tell you're going to go on to be a great coach anyway. Well, well, listen, I, you know, we spoke about it earlier on. I, I, when, when I last spoke with my parents and it was, before kind of my B license and my A license but I wasn't too sure where whether coaching was you know I always thought yeah I'll go into it but I wasn't too sure if I was fully in it and the stuff from my mum and dad kind of really really hit me hard you know as it would as it would and um in and around the time Lee Miller passed his way as well which was a big shock to us all and you know I, I kind of struggled and my, you know my my fiance and, and and my two kids you know were absolutely brilliant with me and, and then uh, the opportunity came up to work with the oil and stuff and and, and do the oil and bits and, and it really kind of gave me something to really kind of focus on which was which was very very important and then you just really get a buzz for it um and it's a complete different buzz to playing and um, but you really get a buzz for coaching and how much it um how much it means uh to you and, and, and it means a hell of a lot to me and, and i'm really really into it and i'm learning all the time and i just constantly want to try and improve 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 because i feel that if i can make myself the best coach that i can be then that gives me a better chance um, ultimately I want to do. I've lived the dream in the fact that I've played all the way through so I want to try and help other young players um, try and improve um, and try and live that dream as well you know for the moment uh, the, 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 the young player development is, is what I'm really really into at some stage in the future I would like to move into the senior um, football but for the moment developing young players and try and help them achieve that dream of that the, the I was so lucky to, to kind of live for, for so long is, uh, is, is a real kind of driving fact, factor for me yeah, well, it's. I think I think I'll leave it on that because it, it's. Um, we've kind of touched on everything, and you've went into serious detail. And I'm. And I am conscious of the time. It's been over an hour and a half. I've kept you, so we will leave it at that. And Andy, I just want to say, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I, I grew up watching you as a kid, and you're one of my favorite players. To have you on, I know we've been kind of pushing it off a little bit, but to have you on, it's been definitely worth the wait. So thank you so much for coming on say just while I have you on, I think it's great to see what you're after doing and I'm not just saying it just because you're on but what you're after doing with the football fan TV thing I think is absolutely brilliant and we followed it closely and, and I know if, you know, you've spoken to Keith my brother before about uh, different bits and pieces so to see how you've developed it and where you've come from in the last couple of years to where you are now is absolutely fantastic and you should be very very proud of what you've done you should be very very proud of it so, so well done on that from me to you Thanks very much. Like, uh, subscribe if you're not already. And uh, if you don't follow Andy already, follow him on Twitter there. Andy Reid XI um, is his Twitter handle. But listen, as I say, from my own point of view, I've actually thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been absolutely fantastic. And 
Thanks again. Really, really appreciate it. Sorry for keeping you so long, though. No, no, it's grand. I'm sorry about the Wi-Fi connection. I know you've got a bit of editing to do now on that before ah. you kind of get it out. So sorry about that. Well, that's going to be a bit of work for you, but hopefully you kind of get it all out. Right. 